Patriots. Scary Parachute Sunday, April 2nd. Welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. Got Matt Norlander here with me. And well, the national title game is now set. It's going to be Gonzaga versus North Carolina here in Glendale, Arizona. Tip is set for Monday night, 920 Eastern. It'll be on CBS. It's America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. Title game, of course, it's a result of Gonzaga beating South Carolina and North Carolina beating Oregon on Saturday. Two fun games. Did huge television numbers, which was a bit of a surprise. Norlander was inside University of Phoenix Stadium for both semifinals. I was mostly outside of University of Phoenix Stadium for both semifinals on a TV set in the shadows of the home of the Arizona Cardinals. Either way, we're both here in Arizona. Norlander, before we look ahead, let's look back. What's your takeaway from Gonzaga's 77-73 victory over South Carolina? It was... I think I had like 77, 71 on the podcast. Um, and I think both teams, both winning teams scored 77, actually. Kind of weird. Um, it, it, listen, South Carolina, to make the run that it did, uh, definitely had me thinking that the Gamecocks were going to have a really, really good chance at winning in that kind of style again. Second half comeback, wouldn't die, kind of overcoming these teams and uh, outplaying them the way they had in the tournament GP. And didn't happen in part because... Zach Collins played the best game of his career, and in fact, uh, you can make the, the case as I did when I wrote uh, late Saturday that Carolina and Gonzaga are in the title game because they got career-best games from two big men that no one really predicted heading into this weekend would happen. I mean, Zach Collins is a future pick in the NBA, no doubt about it, and he'll be, he's one and done with, without a doubt at this point, but no one thought that he would be the game-changing player that he would be in that game, and no one expected Kennedy Meeks to you know, tie a career high and go for 25 and 14. Um, so Collins hitting that three was huge to stem the tide. Nigel Williams-Goss was outstanding, and particularly in the first half, Jordan Matthews got some big threes. And the way that Gonzaga won, I thought, really encapsulated the reason why this is the best team in college basketball and has been for most of the season. Because you can basically go from Williams-Goss kind of being a killer to getting just two outstanding studly rim protectors. I mean, Karnowski and Collins' ability to stay vertical, and this has been a new point of emphasis this season and, and in recent years, and you're allowed that space. If you're a big man and you keep your arms straight and you jump straight up, it will not be a foul if someone bumps into you, and nor should it be. And they are so good at remaining true to that. Now, granted, both did wind up with four fouls at the end of the game, but their height was a huge difference. Thornwell didn't have a great game. You know, I was sitting right behind the Carolina bench. Uh, Frank Martin had a few really frustrating moments. And at one point, I actually tweeted this out. He said out loud to his bench, you know, how bad is Sandarius Thornwell today? And then Thornwell's walking back to him toward the timeout huddle. And he said, how bad are you right now? Or something to that effect. And within, you know, 10 minutes, Thornwell had kind of turned around a little bit. He took a charge. He pointed right at Frank from from the opposite side of the court. And they started making their run. Just a really good, entertaining game. Gonzaga was the better team. I thought it deserved to win, but certainly we got, um, you know, we got some dramatic moments there near the end. I was actually worried that neither game was going to be uh, that much in doubt. Carolina was very different in the ways that it was in doubt. But Gonzaga moves on. So much balance, so much depth. Collins with the game of his life, and um, I hope people realized how good Williams Goss was because. He has been a fantastic player all season, and they needed him to be that big in that game, and he certainly was. Yeah, he had not played well in the NCAA tournament. Then he goes for a game-high 23 points against South Carolina. 
Uh, fun game. And it looked like Gonzaga was just going to, I don't know about run away with it, but win comfortably. They were up 14 points in the second half. I think it was 10.55 to go. And then South Carolina. And it was one of the more out-of-nowhere 16-0 runs I can remember. Like, I guess by definition, they're always kind of out of nowhere. But, like, 16-0 after you've been dominant, been basically handled pretty handily by uh, a, the number one defensive efficiency uh, team in the country. Like, the, just like your best player's not playing well. You're not playing well. They're playing unbelievably. And then, bam, you look up and South Carolina's ahead. It's like, what? And then Gonzaga, and I thought this was really – uh, impressive. They responded with a quick 7-0 run of, the, of their own. Like they, 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 Mark caught a timeout, and then it, it was a Karnowski dunk. Zach Collins got something done, and they were up again by five, and they never relinquished that lead again, in part uh, because I thought they executed the final sequence of the game just brilliantly. Like it was, I'm a big fan of foul up three. I I, I know that it's not as simple as some people make it out to be. You do have to practice it, like Mark Few pointed out after the game last night. Like, fouling up three with 11 seconds to go doesn't really do you any good because you're just going to put yourself in the same situation and have to do it all over again. Uh, but fouling up three under six seconds is like, I think you do it and live with the results every single time. And uh, Gonzaga executed that as, as well as you can possibly execute it. Like, if, if I were trying to teach my team, here's how we're going to handle this situation, that's the clip I would show, show them. There's like 12 seconds left in the game. South Carolina's got the ball on the opposite end of the court, so they got to get it up. Gonzaga, rather than just sit back, actually pressures them a little bit. Why? To try to get them to burn clock. Every second off is a good second for you. So, uh, for whatever reason, South Carolina wasn't rushing to get to a shot, uh, but Sindarius gets the ball right wing, with about four seconds to go, he's not in a shooting motion. And so Josh Perkins fouls him. Uh, officially on the clock, it was 3.5. And then Sindarius goes to the free throw line, does what he has to do. Knocks down the first free throw, and then you just got to intentionally miss the second one and hope you can get a tip in or a tip out or something. And, of course, um, Gonzaga rebounds, foul, 2.2 seconds, go to the other end, knock down both free throws, four-point lead. And so when... Uh, P.J. Dozier heaves a ball at the buzzer like it matters not at all. Um, you know, it doesn't even affect the point spread, if you want to know the truth, it, it, uh, because Gonzaga wasn't going to cover no matter what. So if it goes in, you win by one. It doesn't go in, you win 77-73. And I just thought it was, uh, like, I, I just thought it was a perfectly executed, perfectly uh, strategized moment. And I like the, that Gonzaga moved on to the national championship game in part uh, because of the way they handled that situation. Well, GP, I mean, t to me, it seemed like South Carolina was waiting for Gonzaga to foul. Like Who they is this guy on the podcast right now? Who is this? Who is that right now, GP? Is that Jeff Borzello talking to me? Hey. Or is that Borzello? I've been speaking for like three minutes waiting, waiting for you to finish your thought on the foul up three. And I decided no, I know, I know, time to enter the conversation. <laughs> You're lucky I was done after three minutes. I got, I could have, I could have taken that five minutes easily. <laughs> what are you clowns doing? It's a podcast reunion of sorts right now. And we're throwing it all the way back to 2013 at the moment. Make it, make it a big cameo. Oh. I'm, I'm, I'm probably speaking more now than I ever did on the podcast. <laughs> what? Well, perhaps you're more confident now. You you didn't you didn't, I am. You, didn't you didn't quite have your feet underneath you back then. I'm loose now. I'm loose. I'm loose and comfortable. How about Borzello that? has been? 
I have we have we have shared a, a room, but not a bed. We did get we we went with <laughs> we the, did not share a bed. We went true. with the double queen action here, and uh, so it has been an interesting past couple of days. But he's heading back. He's heading back tonight. He's hitting that red eye back to the east coast to the island. So you, he you wanted might, to get in. I haven't. You realize I haven't seen either one of you guys at all. In yeah, this final. I realize it, dude. You're too good for us. Yeah. You refuse to call it a hotel and you call it a resort that you're staying at. I gave you the option to come down here, get some dinner. You refuse that as well. You, you're. I feel like I'm talking to some sort of non-human into my computer because I don't even know if you exist anymore. People are asking me, where is Parrish? Is he even in Arizona? I said, I can't confirm that because I have not seen him in person. I am in Arizona. Um I, we're just so far away from everybody and everything in the stadium. Like, it's it's 30 to 45 minutes, depending on traffic, to get anywhere that you might be. And so, honestly, outside of being at the stadium, I haven't been anywhere other than, well, we went to downtown Phoenix for a dinner on Thursday night and then immediately came back here. And then on Friday night, just hung here, sat last night after the games, hung here. And I have no intention of leaving here tonight. I mean, I might... But it's not in the plan. This place has a, 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 a really nice, I mean, it's really nice. I mean, the bar is unbelievable. And it's always popping downstairs like late at night. Like when we got here last night, it was like a huge part. So there's like really, I, I have a hard time convincing myself that it's, uh, that it's sensible to leave. Although not leaving means I don't get to see you guys pretty faces. Yeah, it's, uh, I got to admit, it's kind of a bummer here. Um, Why don't you come over like, and hang out? You want to come over and hang out? I can get you in. Oh, so we got to go to you. We got to go 35 minutes north to you. you. You're you're isolated, man. You're on the island. You're up there. And that's not. I don't think that's. He's bad. in a resort. He is in a resort. Have you heard? I, it, heard. It's a resort um, with a great everything. Like it's really nice. You would like it. You should come here. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. Um, so anyway, uh, you want to talk about uh, the other game because Carolina beat Oregon and it was. Probably the first time in tournament history that a team didn't score a field goal in the final five minutes and 38 seconds and won a game. And it happened in a final four. What a weird game that was. So we're watching it out on the set um, because we, we go live. The moment CBS goes off, we go live for an hour. And so we're all out and it's like, what? Because it never felt – the game was kind of close to me. And you got correct me if I'm wrong. It never felt like Oregon was going to win the game. Like I never – there was never a moment where I go – Oh man, Oregon might win this. Uh, and except for like literally the last ten seconds, where I was right. like, where I was like, oh wow, Oregon's going to win this. And of course, if Oregon can't get an offensive rebound off of a missed free throw uh, on two different opportunities, both times Jordan Bell got uh, pushed under the rim or just you know, beat for the ball. And of course, that leads to his dramatic post-game press conference and I hate it like I hate it when any one person and I don't care whether it's college athletics professional athletics high school nothing whatever I hate it when one person feels like it's their fault that something happened bad to their team and so I hated seeing him like to sort of carry that uh into the locker room and and presumably will continue to carry it for a while because the truth is he has been unbelievable in this NCAA tournament and he's pretty damn good last night too but man if he could just grab one rebound then Oregon at least gets a shot to to knock off Carolina and or if you know trace it back to the Pac-12 tournament semifinals if Chris Boucher doesn't get hurt like he's probably the one trying to grab that rebound he is their best um or second best uh, defensive rebounder on the team, I think, statistically speaking. And so just a whole bunch of stuff that made a, a, such a bizarre ending to uh, what was 
mostly a forgettable basketball game, but the ending is something I don't think I don't think we'll forget for a while. Well, writing it, uh, kind of having that at the buzzer deadline file and seeing Carolina just miss field goal after field goal, and then Meeks missing both, and I'm like, do not do this to me right now because I had like 650 words done on Carolina winning, and uh, for Pinson to get the tip out. Meeks to make good on his missed foul shots by getting the game-securing rebound. Oregon never even gets the chance, and they had plenty of opportunity as well just to kind of cut more into the lead, you know, with two minutes to go as opposed to 20 seconds to go. Um, Bell, so real quick, GP, because I didn't see any of this on TV, they showed Bell at the post-game press conference, and he was pretty downtrodden. Or you, or because what I had heard was that in the locker room, Bell was basically inconsolable, but he did at the same time answer all the questions. So did you see that, or was there anything from the podium that was shown on TV? I didn't see the podium. What I saw was the locker room, and, gotcha. and he was a mess in the locker room. He was a mess walking back to the locker room, a mess at his, you know, in his locker, essentially saying, I cost us the game. Like, we lost because of me, which obviously isn't true. I mean, the, the reality is even if he grabs one of those rebounds, and keep in mind, you know, Dylan Brooks was fouled out of the game at this point, so the guy who yep. hit that shot against UCLA wasn't going to have an opportunity to take the shot uh, against Carolina, but Tyler Dorsey would have. Um, but, like, even if you get the ball to Dorsey or whomever, like, they still got to knock down the shot. It doesn't guarantee – you grabbing the ball – doesn't guarantee that you win any more than you not grabbing the ball guarantees that you lose. Well, I guess it does kind of guarantee that you lose, but either way, like it's just, it's it. like, I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it. It was a bad sequence for him because he got handled two, two moments in a row. But um, I don't like, so I don't like seeing a young person like break down the way he broke down because um, the truth is he's been, he's been one of the best players in this NCAA tournament and helped his NBA draft stock to the point where if he wants to leave school early, he might have an opportunity to do it. The, uh, the image I had live was the game ends. Dylan buries his face in his Jersey bends over kind of at half court. I'm sure the cameras probably caught some of that. Borzella, did you remember seeing that at all? Yeah. Yeah. Ennis was the one. Now I, I wasn't looking at bell, but Ennis like immediately broke down in tears. Knees, yeah. yeah. He was on his knees at half court. Um, for like an elongated period of time, because I'm like telling my story, and he's just like still just sitting there and sitting there and sitting there. Um, and yeah, I mean, listen, it's it's brutal. Um, covering this tournament, Parish, going into these locker rooms afterward of these losing teams at, at every round of the tournament, but you really get the feeling like at the Final Four, and then I mean, if Carolina loses on Monday night, that locker room is going to be just. I mean, it's going to be a like you know, a morgue. It's 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 going to be a brutal scene. They they fought this hard to get back here. Ten guys who were on last year's roster on this year's roster, and um, it, it's it, to get back. If they were to lose again, would be just devastating to that team. But at the same time, by the way, it's an incredible accomplishment to get to the title game in back to back years. Would become the first team since the first team since Butler, I believe, to lose back to back title games. Oregon, by the way, GPS was game real quick. It's weird, by the way, it's that you bring that up because these things, I was about to say that they're always remembered. Like, it's an amazing accomplishment to get the back-to-back title games, but I was going to say it's not always remembered as an amazing accomplishment because you're remembered as losing back-to-back national title games. And yet, I think it's different because when the Fab Five lost back-to-back title games, I think they're mostly remembered for losing the games. But Butler is mostly remembered for getting there. I think, I guess it just, I guess it just, uh, 
comes down to perspective. But like Butler's back-to-back title games is considered this amazing achievement, and the Fab Five doing it is basically like, yeah, and then they, they lost in the Weber timeout. And it's weird how we view those two things differently. Yeah. Um, I think North Carolina's would be remembered as you you lost. Without a doubt. Yeah. Gonzaga were to lose, I think it would be remembered for getting there. Like, let's say they didn't get there for another 25 years or whatever. It would still be they got – Mark Few took that program to a title game, right. not Mark Few lost in a title game. I agree. I agree. Um, Meeks obviously was huge. Uh, Hicks was so bad, as shockingly bad. Could not believe uh, he kept kind of going to the well and, and shooting it the way that he did. thought Pinson was typically Pinson, the way that he was able to make big plays that they needed. Um, and – you know, if we want to kind of use this to, to transition forward, because both games, I mean, listen, they were really entertaining, well-rated semifinals, both close. That I mean, you could just you could sense the vomit that was getting ready to come up if Carolina blew that game. I mean, that would have been hideous. Um, not worse than losing a buzzer beater by buzzer beater uh, at. Well, you like, know, I, I thought I thought that's where we might be headed. Yeah, it's not like that, but it would have been just absolutely. Absolutely brutal to lose in that kind of way when you couldn't score in the final six minutes. If they were to lose like that, you could have made an argument that that would have been a worse way to lose than to lose at a buzzer beater in a national championship game. But either way would have been would have been brutal. Um, but regardless, both games were really close, uh, plenty entertaining. And now, as I wrote on Sunday, to me it sets up really one of the more appealing title games in a long time, maybe since Duke Butler, only because. It's not that it's just Gonzaga, but Gonzaga got here not by the way that people might have accepted, expected in that they've overplayed their seed. They got here as like a four seed or a six seed. Now, this has been the best team in college basketball most of the season. You've got Carolina trying to win you know, after losing at the buzzer. I think there's a lot of appeal to this. Carolina's you know the top three program all time. Gonzaga's been a top 20 program for the past 10 years. And so I think there's a lot of reasons to want to tune in and watch all of this. Um, would you agree? I mean, listen, every year we get excited for the title game. But given the way that the ratings bumped on Saturday, I'm inclined to believe that they'll be really, really good on Monday night because people are going to, whether they doubt Gonzaga or not, because there are plenty of skeptics out there, they're going to want to see if Gonzaga can do it because there is still skepticism if they can actually win the title. Look, if you're a television executive, you always want North Carolina versus, versus Kentucky or, you know, uh, uh, North Carolina against Duke. Uh, but – and Gonzaga isn't a blue blood like that. It doesn't have the following like one of those schools. But um, Gonzaga is a national brand. Everybody knows Gonzaga. Gonzaga does have people who have watched them for decades all over this country. And – you know, they, they've, they've had the Adam Morrison National Player of the Year phenomenon. They've been a one seed in other years. They haven't missed the NCAA tournament since 1998. Like, I put that in my column. Like, imagine. Like, I, I was a junior in college the last time uh, Gonzaga missed the NCAA tournament. Like, I'm 40. You're, you're old. Yeah, that's, that's I'm, amazing. I'm 40 years old with three kids and a bald spot. Uh, you're 44, but anyway, continue. 40 years old with three kids in a ball spot. And I was a junior in college the last time Gonzaga missed the NCAA tournament. So everybody knows Gonzaga. And I think you're exactly right. Like this is – I can't wait for this national championship game. Uh, like it's too and, – and I sort of wrote about this earlier today. Every year I guess like theoretically anybody could make it to a title game. 
anybody could win a national championship, sort of the nature of a single elimination tournament. But in reality, when, when we're discussing like legitimate national championship contenders, it's always a list of about seven, eight, nine, ten schools. And, and Gonzaga and North Carolina have been on that list all year long. Uh, Gonzaga's been number one at Ken Palm for like 11 straight weeks. And North Carolina's been in the top six for the past six weeks. They're both in the top three right now. Gonzaga's one, North Carolina's three. Two conference champions. Two teams that are led by their conference players of the year. Um, and, and either way, you get an amazing story. If North Carolina wins it, Roy Williams is now one of only six men with three na- at least three national championships. And if Gonzaga wins, Gonzaga is a national champion. And uh, I like the coaching matchup as well because everybody knows Mark Few has skeptics uh, just because they've, you know, like anytime up until like now, we've ever tried to suggest that Gonzaga is a legit Final Four team or national championship contender. There's always been pushback. Oh, you say that every year. They never get there, blah, 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 blah. But Roy Williams also has critics and skeptics. People don't necessarily view him as a great quote, coach. They think he's been at two great programs, recruited at a high level, and benefited from that. And there's no denying that that, that is part of his story. And, and the way he's won his two national championships, I think, feed into that. Because I went back and looked it up today. In 2005, when they won the national title, they, had, they got first place votes in the preseason AP poll. They weren't number one, but they had, there were people voting them number one. And they had six players on that roster who went on to, to play in the NBA. So people look at that national championship and they go, well, yeah, they, they were supposed to be great. They had great players. They had NBA guys all over the court. Congratulations, Roy. Anybody could have done that. 2009, basically the same deal. They got every first place vote in the preseason poll that year. Like every one of them. They were the, the favorite when the season started. They were the number one overall seed, favorite when the tournament started. They had seven guys who went on to play in the NBA. So people look at that and they go, hey, good, great, Roy. You took all the best players and won a championship. Who couldn't do that? But this would be completely different. They didn't get a single first place vote in the preseason AP poll this year. They lost two starters off last year's team and did not replace them with anybody who's averaging at least 15 minutes per game right now. Uh, I went to DraftExpress.com. He's Jonathan Gavoni, who you know does a terrific job with this stuff. Only has three Carolina players being drafted uh, in the next two drafts. And only one of them I think he has going in the first round. So there's literally nothing in the preseason AP poll, nothing in the mock drafts, nothing in the recruiting rankings. By the way, uh, Roy's recruiting rankings, and Borzello would know this, over the past four years um, have not been great. They are, um, the last four classes have ranked 6th, 3rd, 10th, and 5th, not in the country, but in the ACC. So Roy Williams hasn't been recruiting the way he's recruited historically, somewhat because of the NCAA scandal. Uh, or investigation, or lingering case. Um, They don't have the pros that they've had with other national championship teams, and they didn't have the preseason reputation that his other championship teams had, uh, but they are 40 minutes away from winning a national championship. And I think if Roy gets this one to get his third, then you've got to to tip your hat to him and say, you know what, obviously the guy's a Hall of Fame coach. He's been that for a while, but maybe he can actually coach a little more than than folks give him credit for. All right, let's bring Borzello in here. So... In terms of talent, Collins actually Collins got asked a lot in the locker room on Saturday about the fact that he was a McDonald's All-American, and other guys got asked about Collins' talent. Gonzaga, you don't recruit one and done. So Borzello, um, 
between Collins, Williams, Goss, and then on UNC you've got Jackson, you know, even guys like Nate Britt and Kennedy Meeks. In terms of what they become as college players versus what they were expected coming in, who's been maybe the one or two biggest surprises? And to this point of their careers, even if it's only one year, two year, three years, who maybe hasn't lived up to what they were expected to do? If we're talking about this within the reference of how good of a job Roy and or Hugh has done. Well, it's, it's funny because like Nate Britt, when he committed to UNC, he was considered a five-star kid. He was like a top 15 player. And by the time his high school career ended, he wasn't even a top 100 kid. He's the only player on UNC's roster that wasn't a top 100 player, which is kind of interesting. Um, but, you know, Zach Collins, when he was selected McDonald's All-American, I, I thought it was kind of funny. Not funny, I just was surprised because he, he had him on like 50th and he was like an okay center. But at McDonald's practices, you saw like he's legit. And now, I mean, he's he's going to be a top 10 lottery pick uh, when he when he declares in, I'm guessing, a week or two. Um, but Justin Jackson, I think like, he was always good, and he was a five-star kid, but he's way better than I thought. He's way better than I thought he was three weeks ago. Like, I think he's he's a borderline lottery pick right now. Um, like, he's he's a total NBA player with a, a complete scoring package. Um, like, he's, he's to me, he's the guy that's, like, in terms of next-level ability, has impressed me the most, at least. Do you think... Do you think that, like, in terms of next-level stuff, just real quick, something about this, like, Collins is projected... Now, yeah, as a lottery guy, um, the way that he played Saturday, do you think that it should and will affect his draft stock? Because honestly, like to play as well as he did now, South Carolina is not you know overflowing with with a bunch of big dudes. Chris Silva's solid and all that, but do you think that in theory, if he had you know gotten injured in Gonzaga's Elite Eight game and never got on the floor, he might have been taken say in the fifteen to twenty five range, and now he's you know fifteen to ten. Do you think that's a high probability? Absolutely. I mean, like. He showed everything uh, the other day. I mean, he's like right hand, left hand. He blocks six, I think it was six shots. Yeah. Um, like the thing about him is he's always been like an inside outside guy with good touch, and that made him intriguing. But it was, you know, was he tough enough? Could he, you know, it's tough around. You're not going to get a tougher, you know, tougher dudes than them. And he, he was blocking shots. He was backing guys down, you know, right hand over the over the shoulder, left lefty jump hook. Yeah, he showed a good, complete package. Uh, you know, I think. Absolutely, NBA guys that watch that are going to say, you know, he's he's a, a player in the NBA and he could be really soon. One more thing here, real quick, GPL and Asporzello, because this could, I, I do wonder, like, you're never guaranteed to get back to a Final Four, let alone win another national championship or whatever. Um, our colleague Dennis Dodd kind of touched on the, the academic stuff and the NCAA's ruling, which would come whenever. Asporzello, does, is UNC's recruiting ability. Like, could, could there be a situation where this could be the last time Roy, is, as a coach, gets to a title game because of what might be coming with the NCAA? And then, like, is the recruiting sort of just, is it plateauing? Or are they still surviving, relatively speaking, for people that might not be aware of, of where Carolina is with 2017-2018 kids? It's plateauing. I mean, the thing that, I mean, the, everyone says, you know, he hasn't recruited well, but the three of the, whatever, four, five best players on this year's team were five-star kids in 2014. And there's three. There's only four top 25 kids or top 22 kids still playing college basketball from that class, and UNC has three of them. Um, so that's a huge part. I mean, he has talent on the roster. Obviously, it's not Kentucky, it's not Kansas, it's not Duke. Um, but like I said, every kid's a top 100 kid besides Nate Britt. Uh, so, so it's not like he's totally striking out on everybody. But yeah, I mean, he's not. They're not beating out Duke for kids. They're not beating out Kentucky for kids anymore. Um, you know, they're not beating out Kansas, Arizona. They're 
they're sort of not a notch below in terms of program or job, but you know, top five kids just aren't choosing UNC over Duke anymore. Thoughts, hmm. GP? No, it's interesting because there was a time where I can remember having this conversation with Matt Doherty, and he was like, you know, because like people remember Matt got fired at North Carolina. That's true, by the way. But, like, he recruited the national championship team. Roy's first team was, like, a lot of Matt Doherty players. And Matt was, like, what was amazing was that we were basically picking guys. Like, I can't remember the specifics, but he said we, you know, we we didn't have to recruit Raymond Felton as much as we just took Raymond Felton. Now, you could argue that we messed up. We should have taken Chris Paul instead. But, like, we still, like, we just took, we just said, okay, we'll, we'll take Raymond Felton. So we got Raymond Felton. We'll take Sean May. So we got Sean May. And at some point, even though Roy is historically one of the great recruiters, um, at some point recently, that's that's changed, um, undeniably. And I, I'm assuming, I don't like. Usually, when things change in recruiting, it's it's either a staff thing, or it's a something else thing. And like, I'll let Borzella speak to this because he's he covers recruiting way more than either of us uh, covers recruiting. Is it a staff thing here, or is it simply because if you remember the Brandon Ingram situation, that Brandon Ingram explained like I was worried about the NCAA stuff. I didn't want to be a one and done player at North Carolina and not be banned from the NCAA tournament. Is that still hindering North Carolina's recruiting, or is it a staff thing, or is it something else completely? I think it's a lot of that. I, you know, I think just how public the whole Brandon Ingram thing was. I mean, that that everything was lined up for him to go to UNC. And, you know, Jerry Stackhouse, the Kings in North Carolina. Um, you know, he, he he had said early in his recruitment that it was, you know, UNC was, was sort of showing the most love. And, and for them not to get him and to lose him to Duke, uh, it just, you know, that was huge. And it was it was also public, too. I mean, he came out, like you said, he came out and said I was worried about it. Um, and so I just think that, and the cloud is still there. You know, it hasn't been resolved yet. So it's just, it's really easy for school to negative recruit uh, against North Carolina until this thing goes away. And until it does, I mean, obviously, if they if they win a national title and they go to the championship game two years in a row, you know, I'm, and again, it's not like they're not getting anybody. I mean, they're getting Jaleek Felton. He's a five-star kid or borderline five-star kid. Um, and that's somebody that they should get, obviously. But, you know, it is. I mean, they're just not, and a lot of it is the NCAA, just the cloud. It's until this goes away, they're just not going to probably, you know, battle Duke and Kansas and Kentucky for kids anymore. So who we got winning the championship game? I took Gonzaga. I think the final score I projected was 76-75. I do believe it's a total toss-up game. The only thing that will surprise me is if it's not close in the final minutes. Um, but I, I, I think Gonzaga, you know, the big story all year has been can Gonzaga finally get to a Final Four. We didn't really I – know, I know we did, but, like, a lot of people weren't talking in terms of can they actually just win the whole thing. Uh, but they've obviously cleared the Final Four hurdle, and they've cleared the national semifinal hurdle. Um, I I can see them winning the national championship game. I've got them winning the national championship game. In a in a one one possession game, you said GP. Yeah, I mean I've got it. I mean, like, listen, who knows what a final score is ever going to be? I but I, I I went seventy six seventy five Gonzaga. That is my official on the record uh, prediction seventy six seventy five Gonzaga. All right, uh, I also have Gonzaga winning. Um... I can't remember what I – it's on the site. I, I gave a score, I believe. How about this? You ready for this? I can't remember a bigger disparity in a tournament game, and this speaks to the public skepticism with Gonzaga. UNC is a two-point betting favorite, and Gonzaga is predicted to win by four points to Ken Palm. That's a six-point swing. 
it's hard to ever find a four-point swing. Right. And this is a national championship game, and it's a six-point swing. So that speaks to the the, mod, the computer says one, the betting says the other, and you almost never have that much disagreement between both. That tells you that people still, the majority believes that North Carolina will win and still can't buy into the concept of Gonzaga winning a national title. That's all that is. I talked to Todd Furman, former bookmaker, um, at or, or odds maker rather, um, at Caesars, uh, before Carolina and, and Gonzaga was even set. But just uh, talked to him about the possibility of us getting Gonzaga North Carolina. And he said he would probably have it, if he had to post an opening line, he would probably post it around a pick'em. But, uh, you know, the, the, if you did that, the money would be heavily on North Carolina. Uh, because it, just public perception is that one of these schools is North Carolina and the other is still just Gonzaga from the West Coast Conference. And listen, I'm not saying if you bet North Carolina, you're going to lose. Like, who knows? But um, but Vegas has put this number at a place where they know you're still going to take North Carolina no matter what. Even if all the computer stuff we and they typically rely on suggests that not only should North Carolina be a two-point favorite over, over Gonzaga, North Carolina probably shouldn't be favored over Gonzaga at all. Yeah, uh, Borzello. Let's get a pick from you. He's 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 laid out on the bed right now. I don't even. His bare feet are practically in my face. This guy, by the way, before we get his pick, he's he's on the road to crazy. He didn't want any lights on in the hotel this morning at like eleven. Lights, bro. Yeah, no lights. I don't no like lights. I don't like lights either. I do my radio show in the dark. Do you not realize that? I hate light. Like, why do you need? I, I natural light. I love artificial light. I despise. Yeah, no, not only does GP does his radio show in the dark. When when I was with them earlier this month, like. His his phone screen could not be set to a brighter light than the damn sun, and he's got it three inches from his face. And you love doing your radio show in the dark. You, you're kind of crazy, you know that. Right? I, I love my I love my room's dark and my phone screen's bright. That's the way I that's the way I live my life. Shout out to Kevin Downey and shout out to Chester, South Carolina. <laughs> you want to get hold on? You want to get a shout out to Devin Downey and Hill Borzello? Go ahead. Shout out to Devin Downey. There we go. That's what I like to hear. Can't wait. By the way, by the way, we uh, we told Norlander or we texted him at like two a.m. a couple of nights ago that we saw Devin Downey at the bar, and he told he told us to tell you to stop saying shout out to Devin Downey. And the first thing Norlander says to me when I see him the next morning says, "You guys really saw Devin Downey?" That's not true. 100%, <laughs> no, that's 100%. Not, so I got I got those exact same text messages. I can't remember if I was awake when I got him or if I woke up the next morning and got him. And I didn't even respond because, and I don't even know this to be true. And if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. But I'm a hundred percent sure that this is right. I knew that you didn't really bump into Devin Downey. I knew that that was something Goodman would think is funny. That's not yeah. actually funny. I can neither confirm nor deny that that theory. Good, uh, good. Nobody comes up with things that they think. There's no bigger gap between things that are actually funny and things that a certain person thinks. Is funny than the than the gap that is between <laughs> that, that Jeff Goodman provides in that way. He has a long list of things he thinks funny that just are never actually funny. And by the way, for those listening to the podcast, Borzello, we will let you make your pick here in just a second here. Um, Borzello, so Jeff Borzello. For those who might not know and started listening to the podcast either this month, I mean, this, this is year. a perfect time of the podcast to mention. Well, you know what? Am. We let him. We let him linger with an element of mystery. Okay, we let it dangle in the background. Who is this guy that keeps popping in and out? I don't know who, who he is. Like he sounds like a freaking douche. He sounds like a douche. There's no doubt about it. The Fair biggest, enough. the biggest bro douche I know. Borzello used to write for CBS. He was a part of a three-man podcast. He preceded the Sam Vecini era and really established the precedent of 
Paris and I talking for about 95% of a podcast and Borzello kind of just dipping in with random thoughts intermittently here and there. It's, it all started with them, so it's great to have this, you know, quasi-reunion source, that's all. <laughs> it was a reign of terror. All right. Era there. Yeah. Um, what's your prediction? Uh, UNC 77 and Gonzaga 75. I mean, I think it's a one-position game one way or the other. I just think that uh, Gonzaga has no one that could stop Justin Jackson. And that's why we let him talk on the podcast. Um, GP, anything else uh, you want to hit on here before we wrap this thing up? And is there really no shot that you're coming down here tonight? I got my cousin. Shout-out to my cousin, Eric, by the way. He's also in the hotel room right now. Uh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> I mean, you need to, do you need to shuttle one of them over here to like hang out with me? You you sound like you're getting uh, cramped in there. Oh man, it's it's a it's a whole deal. It's a whole. Deal. Eric, what's your prediction on the title game? Um, North Carolina by three. All right, he's given a he's given a UNC by three. Borzello turns on the air conditioning. I don't want this humming in the background of the podcast. Go bring the heat back up. We don't need the breeze. We don't need the breeze up right now. Um, I don't want to Carolina. I don't. Yeah, we got two Carolina picks, two Gonzaga picks. I don't want to say there's no chance of anything. That's the awesome. By the way, I love West Coast Final Fours. Like last night, we yes. were we were done with work by ten o'clock. Like yes. I, like the mornings have been kind of like we've had some early call times, but like because like my, you're awake anyway. Like I can't, I, I've been waking up about 5 a.m. every morning because no matter what time I go to bed, because your body's just used to waking up at a certain time. So the only the, thing I don't like, the only thing I don't like is you're you're playing catch up to news. Like I feel like if I wake up at like a seven o'clock here, I'm still missing like two hours of East Coast news. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Like, but I like the like, like it's only right now. Like it's only 6:30 here, and like we're about to like. It's, I don't know. The, the work schedule has been awesome. Like, the national championship game starts at 620. Yeah. Like, I'm going home on a red eye after the national championship game. I'm going to be on a, I'm gonna be on an 1130 fl- p.m. flight after the championship game tomorrow night. So, like, I'm really digging this West Coast Final Four. And I don't, uh, don't want to put it at no chance that I get out because it's still very early here. They've got plenty of time to get out. But I've got to, I'm trying to finish the top 25 of one, going through every roster, texting coaches and – agents and all sorts of people saying, what do you think about this guy? What do you coming back or definitely leaving, maybe leaving? Where is he leaning? I like, it's a project, man. And so I'm trying I'm just trying to get this done. Cause if I don't get it done tonight, I'll be playing catch up on it all day tomorrow. And I don't want, I don't want to add that to the deal. So if I, uh, if I can finish this at a reasonable hour and if I can't find anybody that I like here at my place, then, oh, I, wow. then I might get into an Uber and come see you guys. Well, uh, and again, we have we have done the top twenty-five and one at the Sunday of the Final Four over dinner for like five years running. That's ending. The tradition's done. You've changed. Everything's different. I hate you. How could you do this to me? I'm gonna get Charles Barkley to help me. He's out here at my. Oh place. yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll get Barkley to break down. Uh, Mustafa Heron leaving Auburn. Let's just uh, let's not go fifteenth overall. Let's drop him maybe top twenty, eighteen, nineteen, maybe in that range. That's I, what Barkley's gonna get you. <laughs> um. I did like. Are yeah. were you like? Is he really leaving? Is that like? Did you just hear that or something? Porcel, didn't you say hair? No, he's not leaving. Okay, I thought that he might be leaving. Maybe he's not. Who knows? <laughs> Someone tweeted. Someone Zagori tweeted that he's considering the idea or something. Yeah. Okay, so that's the last. That's the last thing I saw that he might. Regardless, so um, here's what we'll do. Maybe Wednesday recap the title because I'm going to be traveling. Tuesday, it's not going to be feasible to get a podcast in, uh, late late flight out, and then you know going across the country. 
Wednesday recap title game stuff, and then you know, I, and then maybe Friday wrap up three podcast week and do a lot of top twenty five breakdowns. I mean, broadly speaking, we can kind of plan for that, right? I think we can, uh, broadly speaking, plan for that. But rec- while recognizing we don't have to commit to anything, we will just talk for a little while on Wednesday, and then we'll talk some more on Friday. And uh, it'll be me, you, and whoever happens to be in the room uh, in which you're recording. Are you from. sitting in the dark right now? Yes. I mean, I'm sitting in the dark. I've got my window open. Are you wearing clothes? Yeah, I have on jeans and stuff. I got up. I went and got lunch earlier today. Yeah, I got on jeans and a t-shirt. I know you've recorded this podcast naked before. So. Never totally naked, but like in boxer shorts, maybe. All right. But not right now. Not right now. I'm walking around in jeans and a t-shirt. Just walking around. Just enjoy- I appreciate it. This en- podcast. Enjoying, the Phoenix, uh, enjoying the Phoenix weather. How about this weather, by the way? Yeah, man. Yeah, that's right. yeah how about it's it? It's been awesome. It's been fine. It's been awesome. It's been fine. It's, I'm just saying. It's just like, yeah, the weather. We're in Arizona. Yeah, it's nice. I don't. Like, I, I don't. Where do you want me to go with that? Like, I, I just say, just say, yeah, GP. The weather was great. Like I don't know. I can't walk you through everything, but I, uh, I, I, I don't like the location because we're so far apart from each other. Like I'm. That's the other thing. Like even if I wanted to hang out with you, it's thirty five minutes for me to get where you're at. Like that's all. Like I don't even know the last time I went thirty five minutes to see anybody on the planet, no matter what she looked like. Every, like downtown Phoenix. There's downtown Scottsdale. There's like Tempe. Like every everything. I mean. No matter where you go, you're 15, 20 minutes away. I know. That's my point. I don't like the setup here in terms that we're all spread out all over the place, but I love the I love the, the time zone, and I love the weather. And I would be willing to sacrifice the convenience of Indianapolis and New Orleans for the time zone and the weather of Arizona. I think, I think that's the way I, I – think that's I think I feel that way. All right. Well, uh, maybe I'll see you one day. I uh, doubt it. I first. doubt it. I doubt it. But I'll probably – next time I see you, it'll be Peach Jam. Porcello <laughs> will be there and we can do another reunion podcast oh that sounds exciting that, that, seems, that seems too planned I, uh, that sounds exciting remember you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast on iTunes it's the best way to get the latest episodes as quickly as possible so please do that uh, enjoy your national title game shouts to Terry Teagle we'll talk to you again on Wednesday till then take care